0: 60,000 lost their souls. I love the nation here that we live in because we'll always rally around and send aid. Christians, non-Christians, it's really across the board. We're going to go and help rescue, help to to put Haiti back on its feet. Hopefully it will be better, prayerfully it will be better in the future than it is now. Why do we have to wait until 300,000 people die? See, I believe that the impetus for Christians is to not wait until they die. I think it's for us that we would go and be a part of helping them find Christ before that time. Colossians 4.12 in the Phillips Version, the second part of that, simply says that you may become mature Christians and may fulfill God's will for you. Father, I pray that you would bless this message this morning. God, we need to hear from you. We need to be challenged by you. We need to be encouraged in you this morning. Amen. That you may become mature Christians and may fulfill God's will for you. That's the purpose that God has for us. It's God's will for us to grow up. It's God's will for us to become mature believers. Ephesians four fourteen and 15 in the New Living Testament says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown back and forth about every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. Instead, we will be growing in every way more and more like Christ. It's God's will for us to grow. It's God's will for us to be spiritually mature. Part of that journey is going to be as we become mature Christians, as we begin to grow in Him, we'll understand God's impetus, God's force and desire that we would go into the world and preach the Gospel. That's what God desires of us, to grow in Him. Our spiritual journey we've been talking about for the last two weeks is a journey of spiritual maturity. We're supposed to be growing More and more. In Ephesians 4.13, just one verse back from where you're at if you opened up there, it says, "...this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord." Mm -hmm. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. It's been God's will all along that we would mature. He's always desired that. The word for mature really means perfect. It means complete. It means not lacking. Now, there's some wonderful things about maturity. One is that it doesn't matter how old you are when you get saved, you can still begin to mature in Christ. Maturity is a process that we're going to go through. What is spiritual maturity? Romans 8.29, I believe, tells us exactly what it is. And it is simply this. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become Like his son. Spiritual maturity is becoming like his son. Not just being like his son, but becoming like his son. It's a growth process, it's something that's going to continue on. And there is no shortcut to the spiritual maturity. There is no fast track for this. You can't take a pill. You can't go on the web and find some great plan to become spiritually mature overnight. It's a process. It's a process. 2 Peter Peter 3.18 says to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior Jesus Christ. And the word grow there in, in, in the verbiage really means continue growing. It's not that you just grow once and you're done, but it's grow. Continue growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's something that we begin to do and we continue to do. I was thinking about growing in grace and knowledge both. I thought, how how do you do that? Because Romans says that that where sin abounds, grace abounds more. So in order to grow in grace, does that mean we have to sin more so we get more grace? You know, what it is is that as sin abounds, what happens is that it really means that there is always more grace no matter how much sin is in your life. And so in that scripture says, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What I believe it's actually saying to us is that as you grow in the knowledge of God, not just about Him, but as you grow in knowing Him, you understand how sinful you really are and that there's that much more grace applied to your life. And so by growing in the knowledge of Christ, you automatically grow in grace because you know you can't do it on your own anymore. You know, when you first get saved, most of us, we really think that there's only a couple of things that we're doing wrong. You know, right? We just go, man, there's just a few big ones, and when I get rid of those, I'm going to be great. And those go away, and you realize what a heathen you really are. But as you grow in that, you begin to say, God, I need that much more grace. Thank you. And you'll grow in His grace. And it's a continual process. Growing up, I remember some people saying to me, you're wise beyond your years. And whether or not that was true, I don't know. But but uh, I don't know if I was wise beyond my teen years, if I was or wasn't. But I know one thing: I wasn't yet mature. There's a difference. I wasn't mature yet. You might be smart. You might be wise. You may be gifted or talented. Those are all gifts of God. But maturity takes time. It's a process. It's a process. Maturity comes with life experiences. But not only life experiences. Life, maturity comes when you have a life experience and someone is open to instruction and correction through those life experiences. It comes when someone's hungry to know the truth and apply that truth to their life. We've all known people who've gone through a lot of life experiences. And they are just as immature... As they were when they were teenagers, they missed a key element. They either didn't have somebody in their life who would correct them, who would show them, who would teach them, or they just weren't open to that correction and instruction themselves. Maturity comes from both experience and teaching and input. So it's a process, it's also not automatic. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. I hope you're wearing steel-toed boots this morning, because I'm going to step on your toes. I'm going to step on my own. We need to be stirred up, we need to grow and continue on this path of spiritual maturity. God's calling this to us. For though by this time, Hebrews 5.12, you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, who those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and good and evil It says, though by this time you ought to be teachers so he's talking to a group of people who've been saved long enough that they should by time qualify to be teachers but they're not why because maturity isn't automatic you don't just get to say i've been saved for 25 years i'm spiritually mature that's not a right you have You are spiritually mature because you've been open to growth. You've been open to input. You've changed. You've been challenged. And you've grown. And you look differently than when you did when you first got saved. We need to be taught, again, the first principles of the oracles of God. And that's okay. It's never too late. If you're sitting in this room saying, you know, that's me. You know, I've heard of a few different people who said 20 and 30 years into their Christian walk, said things like, I'm the oldest baby you'll ever meet. They realized that they missed an opportunity of growth. That they didn't grow. That they didn't become mature. That's not what God has for us, church. We're not going to stay there. We're going to grow and do the things. Press into God and be that. I thought about, just briefly, preaching in a diaper this morning. I told you it was very brief. <laughs> For those of you who are visual, you've been ruined. would have been Wouldn't that be the picture? I don't belong in a diaper. I should be spiritually mature by now. I should be beyond being a babe in Christ. might get the point across. It's a, it's a process. It's not automatic. I know, I believe it's a process because when you get saved, you begin, you have to, whether you do it or not, begin to unlearn what you've learned. When you become a Christian, you have to unlearn many habits, unlearn the things that you've already learned. There's a st- statement, sports people use it um, muscles have memory. See, when you do something repetitively, it creates a process that snaps us in your brain that connects it and you continue to do the same thing over and over again. Janine and I used to do voice lessons here at the church and we would have to sometimes teach people how to sing properly because they learned improperly their whole life. They had to relearn something in order to do it right. If you play golf but never had any lessons, there's a good chance that your swing is wrong. And if you've ever had a coach come and try to help you, it takes a lot of breaking through because automatically you can hit that ball the way you've learned to do it. And if it's not correctly, you've been slicing and hooking your life. The same thing goes though, if you learn how to do it correctly, you begin to do it right and you don't have to think about ever doing it again. You just get up and do it. Old habits die hard. Amen? Wow. Still struggling sometimes with the habits. It's a process. It's a process that you have to be open to instruction and teaching and to growing. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Not completely true, but it is very difficult. How many old dogs do we have in here? (laughs) It's a journey. It's not in, instant. If you have to learn to be mature, what do we do now? There's a few skills we can learn to apply that's going to help us to grow spiritually. Mm-hmm. And they take discipline. It's not automatic. It's a process. And it's going to take some discipline. 1 Timothy 4.7 1 Timothy 4.7 It says, Train yourself... "...to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, in particular of all believers." New American Standard says of just four seven: Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Train yourself to be godly. Discipline, discipline yourself. It's something that's gonna take work and discipline. And I hate the D word. the The D word is a tough word. Discipline. In fact, we talked about that in in cell on Wednesday night. You know, some people just have a natural tendency to discipline themselves, and they, they're just much better at it. Maybe they grew up in a home where they, that was just part of it. In my home growing up, discipline was not something that we practiced real well. And it will, goes into my life, but I need to do it. I have to train myself and exert energy. So I'll ask you a question that you get to, to by the show of hands. Who wants to grow in your walk with Christ. Okay, most of us in here, that's good. For the rest of you, we'll pray for you. Okay, here's another question you can also answer. Who wants to have their own teeth in their mouth when they're older? Okay, right? And what does that have to do with it? Hey, if you're you're serious about wanting to have your teeth, what are you going to do about it? If you're kind of serious, you brush your teeth. Right, if you're kind of serious, you brush your teeth. If you're pretty serious, you might even do it twice a day. If you're really serious about keeping your teeth, you brush, you floss, you rinse after sugary snacks, (laughs) and you visit the dentist regularly if you're really serious, you're probably going, that's true, I must not be very serious. Looking around the room, not at your teeth, but just going, we've got enough numbers in here to say that we probably all don't floss regularly, rinse after sugary snacks, and go to the dentist regularly. I went to the dentist five years ago when I lived in Guatemala. That was the last time I went because it was cheap. (laughs) But if I was really, really serious about that, I would figure out how to go, wouldn't I? So if I were to ask that question based on the last information and say, who's really serious about wanting to grow in Christ, would you be able to raise your hand? Mm -hmm. That's a tough one, isn't it? Because if we're really serious, there's things we have to do to grow. We have to discipline ourselves. There are things that must be in place in our life to show that we are open to this and that we're ready to be changed and have input into our life. Romans six nineteen in the CEV says it this way, and I love this verse. It says, "You used to let the different parts of your body be slaves of your evil thoughts." Sometimes I almost felt like that. My hand just wanted to grab that beer, you know. You used to let your parts of your body be slaves of your evil thoughts, but now you must make every part of your body serve God. Serve God. You must make yourself come into alignment and serve God, the, the Word says, so that you will belong completely to Him. We can't chase after our, our lust and our carnal nature. We need to bring our bodies into submission and discipline ourselves so that we can become what Christ is calling us to become. Discipline and disciple come from the same root English words, right? In order to be a disciple, we really need to have discipline. Discipline. And they're obviously connected because if you are going to be a disciple of Christ and follow Christ completely, you'll have to discipline yourself in order to do it. But in the Greek, the word disciple has a different meaning. In the Greek, the, the word disciple really means a learner, a learner, a student. So put together, a disciple, I believe, then is a disciplined learner. A disciple is a disciplined learner, someone who is disciplining their life. But they're also open to the instruction and the teaching of the Word of God. They have a desire to learn more than they know today and grow in those things. That's what a disciple is. That's what I want to become. That's what I want to grow into my spiritual maturity. I've not arrived. I won't arrive. Because spiritual maturity is an ongoing process. We want to become disciplined learners. Because if we don't discipline, then we'll end up like Ralph Waldo Emerson's saying, we'll have a thought, and that thought is going to go into an action. And that action is going to be developed into a habit. And he said it this way, sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. We have these thoughts, if we don't begin to even discipline our thoughts, they're going to turn into an act, and that act after a while is going to become a habit, and that habit is going to begin to form our character, and if we let that character go on its own, it's going to form a destiny, and that destiny can be good, and that destiny can be bad. But if we begin to discipline ourselves in the Word, and begin to discipline ourselves in following Christ, our thoughts are going to be Christ's thoughts. And so our actions are going to become godly actions. And those actions are going to develop into godly habits. And those godly habits are going to produce the character and the fruit of the Spirit in our life that God is calling us to have. And we're going to have a destiny that is of God. And a destiny that is full of righteousness and peace and the Holy Ghost. A destiny that is going to change the world. I choose the latter, not the former. What habits do you have? We all have habits in our life. If you don't think you do, then go back this morning and remember brushing your teeth My toothpaste and toothbrush is in this drawer right here, so I go and I grab it and I grab the I mean I do it all the same every day. I put the cap back on, put the toothpaste in, and I start brushing. If I think about it, I probably start brushing the same side of my mouth every single day. And then I switch over here and up and down and all around, right? Don't forget the tongue. It's a habit. What habits do you have in your spiritual journey? Do you have a habit of waking up and neglecting the word? Do you have a habit of getting into the Word? Do you have a habit of when you say, I'll pray for you, the moment you have a free second, immediately or as soon as you get into the car, of praying for that person? Or do you have a habit of forgetting to pray for them? What habits do you have? Let's begin to break off the old habits and begin to develop new. Let's begin to walk on to spiritual maturity. Let's grow in the things that God is having us grow in. I believe there's four there's I'm going to talk about four habits of a disciple. There's a lot more. We could put in a number of these things, but I just wanted to hit on four this morning. Each one should only take about 45 minutes. Four habits of a of a disciple we desire to be disciples. We have to break our old habits. We have to build new habits, godly habits. We have to become disciplined learners. And one of the habits of a disciple is the Word of God. Go with me to John 8:31.. John 8:31, the words in red, Jesus' words say, "If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed." And you will know the truth, and this truth will set you free. We need to be set free from things still, church. We need to know that truth and be set free. When I was reading this, though, I have to confess that I, I, I read it like I had forever. If you continue in My Word, if we continue in, in the Word, we need to continue in the Word of God. And then I realized when Jesus said that, there wasn't a Word. The, the Word wasn't written yet. So what are we going to continue? And the word is logos, and it means His word. It can be a spoken word. It can be implied. It can be His thoughts. So what He's saying, stay in the things that I've spoken. Stay in the things that I've meant, that I've thought, that I've fashioned. We need to not just read the word, but we need to understand what Jesus meant, what He implied, what He lived, and begin to stay in that. We can't just read the word. We have to let the Word read us. We have to get into this and understand what was Jesus really saying. If you were like me when I first got saved, I had no idea what He was really saying. Because it's confusing at times. The Word of God can be very confusing. So we need someone to help us to grow. How can you continue in the Word? By being in a group of people they are going to challenge you to grow in the faith. They're going to challenge you to apply the Word to your life. You need to be in a group where there's people who are older than you and more mature than you who can help explain and describe what's going on and what Jesus was really talking about. It's been over ten years that this church began to change and transform into a cell church. We didn't do that just because we thought it would be a lot of fun to see people leave because they didn't like cell groups. That happened because we finally understood that the best way to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be in community just like He had twelve disciples. Just like when the church first started, they were meeting house to house so they could encourage each other and challenge each other and help each other grow. And how can you remain in the Word? Because you need somebody to help you understand it. You need to become discipled. Remember, if you are not open to change and to teaching, you won't mature. You're going to keep making the same mistakes over and over again. We need to be a learner. We need to be a learner. Get into the Word and have the Word get into us. Another habit of a disciple is prayer. Let's go to John 15. We're already there. Just a few chapters over. John 15, 7 and 8. If you abide in Me and My words abide in you, You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. Abide in Him. Let His words abide in you. Then you will ask, then you will pray. Whatever you wish, it will be done for you. And then you'll bear fruit and become a disciple. Go with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, Jesus' disciples set, asked a question, Lord, teach us to pray, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So then Jesus says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth it is as in heaven. He gives them a format to pray. Jesus never intended that we would take that and make that our prayer. He never intended that that's all we would pray, because immediately after that, He goes and says, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight, verse 5, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Don't trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say, though he will not rise and give it to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And then he goes on, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks, receive, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened." If a son asks for bread from a father, from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? That's a whole nother message in there. We need to read that all the way. We often stop and says, knock, ask, seek, and we stop. He's saying, do all those things and ask for the Holy Spirit because He wants to give it to you. But the principle here is that you need to be persistent in your prayers. You need to ask. You need to be seeking it out. When He was trying to teach His disciples to pray, He was saying, prayer looks like this. Keep doing it. And you can ask as you're doing it, ask anything and I'm going to give it to you. You can ask for anything. It can look like anything as long as you're communing with Me. We need to learn to communicate with God about everything everything, and then we'll be His disciples. We need to be in the Word and let the Word be in us. We need to be people of prayer, persistently asking God. Don't just give up on the first time. Be persistent. A third habit of a disciple, I believe, is to give it all to Christ. Disciples give everything they have to Jesus Christ. In Luke 14, it says, Likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's a tough one. But if you put it in perspective, we really understand that everything we have is not ours to begin with. It belongs to God. He's only letting us be stewards of what He has. When you get a paycheck, you know, it's real, so when you get a paycheck, you go, oh, i got to give 10% back to God. No, it's all God's. Yeah. He's just saying you can have 90% of it to do with what you need to do. Because it belongs to Him anyways. It's perspective. It all belongs to Him. Give it all to Christ. A mark of a disciples that will bear a cross in Matthew sixteen, twenty four. Says Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone were to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And he reiterated that another time, Luke chapter fourteen and Luke nine says, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And Luke 9 says, then he said to them, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What does the cross represent? It represents death. It doesn't represent glory. It represents death. If we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we need to die. When Jesus said that, remember, he had not gone to the cross yet. The only cross the disciples knew was the cross of punishment and death. There was no resurrection from the cross for them. He probably said that as other criminals were led up to Golgotha to be crucified themselves for the wrong things they committed. And as they're walking by, what a lovely thought. Jesus looked over and said, yes, yeah, those guys are going to, they're going to die. If you want to be not My disciple, take up your cross and follow Me. That's not a good picture. There's no glory in that. But you die. Now, praise the Lord, we know the end of the story. As we die to Christ, He helps us to live. But the dying is still hard. We all want to get to heaven, but nobody wants to go first. We need to be people in the Word. We need to be people of prayer, persistent prayer. We need to be willing to give it all to Christ. All that we are, all that we have. we need to be people of fellowship. John chapter 13, verse 34. John 13. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. A new commandment. He wants us to truly love one another. How beautiful is when the brethren dwell together in unity. We need to be people of fellowship, gathering together, truly entering into love relationships. We're not called just to gather together and do a Bible study and then go home. And Bible studies are wonderful things. You grow in knowledge and you you get challenged through the Word of God. But we come together in our lighthouses to get to know one another on a deep level. To To get to a place where we can really be transparent and real with one another. We go through that difficult time in getting to know each other and, and see whether it's, you can trust one another until you finally realize these people are those who are going to walk with you in your Christian experience. They're going to help you grow. And we begin to love one another, truly. I love it when I hear the stories where a lighthouse gathers together the people in a lighthouse and, and they help somebody pay their bill. They get them a ride to the hospital. That's loving the brethren. That's what Jesus wants us to do. He doesn't just want us to come together and give each other hugs in the hallway on a Sunday morning. That's not fellowship. That's not fellowship. That's just greeting one another. You can't really have good fellowship on a Sunday morning. There's not enough time and there's too many people around. He wants us to get into community, true koinonia, where we can challenge each other, help each other to grow. Pastor Jeff said that Matthew is going through what we call the training track. You can call it whatever you want, but we have things that we, we, we have set in place tools to help you grow in your Christian experience. The first one of this is, is just the basic fundamentals of your, of your new Christian faith. And we go through a book in our lighthouses so now that you're his to just help you understand God's love and His plan for you. And it's just a great thing, but it's a, it's a tool that we can use to help you be discipled. And that's what's happening within the cell groups. I'm really excited. I'm going to pick on Anthony this morning. Anthony has, has been saved, or at least committed his life to the Lord this year. And in his men's cell... He's been being discipled by Jaden, and they went through the first two books. Now that you're his, and the next one after that is called "An Appointment with a King," and that's to help you develop devotional life. And 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 I just found out they've already gone. This is the second time through one of those books. Is that right, Tony? Um, actually, the first time we haven't really gone through the second. Okay, so so they're going through this 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 track, and he wants to become a disciple of Jesus. Praise God, he's doing it. Early on, praise God, we all need to begin to say what's next. We have other things. There's encounter retreats and then there's just growth. We desire everyone in here to be more spiritually mature. At the end of this year, I desire that we'll have all grown in spiritual maturity. I don't want to be a church that has people in it that have been saved and the same for 30 years. They've never conquered their sin problems. They've never gotten rid of the old habits. I want to be a church group of people who are pressing into God, growing. It's going to look a little different for each one of us, but we need to be growing and we need not, to not be struggling with the same things. And the best way to get that is within our lighthouses. Help you grow. But again, as we do that, you have to say I'm willing to let them speak into my life. Otherwise, I'll never mature. Sometimes we need to learn the quiet coyote thing that I taught in the in the kids ministry here. You know, I I, I, I actually learned that at youth camp. is quite funny. We need to learn that our ears need to be more open and our mouth needs to be closed so that we can be open to instruction and teaching. Right? <laughs> Instead of often we're like this. <laughs> I don't know if I can do the other one. You know, mouth open. I let me tell you everything I know. We need to go and say, no, teach me. I need to grow. I need to grow. And then you can help others grow with what you're learning. Because I don't want to have to wait until an earthquake devastates Big Bear and we're digging people out of the rubble going, man, I wish I would have told them about Jesus. It's too late now. But if we'll walk on this journey of spiritual maturity, we'll have something to offer the world. Truth, power, and the Holy Ghost. That's where He's looking for us to grow, to be people. What habits do you have? Which habits do you want to change and develop? These are questions to ask ourselves. Where do we want to go? Do we want to grow? Are we willing? Let's stand as we close in prayer. Father, I thank You so much for placing us together in the body of Christ at Big Bear Christian Center. Father, I thank You for the leadership that You've put in place here. One that would care about our spiritual well-being and not just whether we're in church on a Sunday. God, it's not easy. It's difficult sometimes to be in a relationship where we're challenged to grow. But God, I thank You for that because I desire to be Your disciple. I desire to become spiritually mature. Father, this morning we would ask that You would help us to grow. God, that You would encourage us. Father, that You would help us to become disciplined learners. Father, knowing and getting into Your Word and understanding who You are. Father, help us to become a people of prayer. Lord, help us to be those who would lay down our life and give all back to You. And Lord, put us into fellowship into deep unity and community, God, in the body of Christ where all these other things are going to happen so much easier. God, we thank You for what You desire to do. God, we thank You that You have a plan and a purpose for this place and for us as individuals. God, we thank You that You are calling us to be part of that plan today. Lord, we thank You that none of us have fallen so short of it that we can't be included in Your plan. Father, we repent of our old ways of thinking. Lord, even those that we don't know which are wrong, we say, God, if there's anything, any ways in me that are not pleasing to You, if there's any habits and patterns of thought that are not of You, God, we repent of those and ask, God, change us. Help us to develop new habits this day. God, some of us may have to humble ourselves and say, you know, I've been saved a long time, but my life really doesn't look any different than it did when I was first saved. Will you help me to grow? Help others to humbly help those to grow along. Lord, I pray that You would use us to sharpen one another and strengthen one another. God, as we expand the kingdom... Here in Big Bear, reaching the lost, discipling the saved, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Be some great stuff to talk about in your lighthouses this week. Gotta tell you a little test.